Welcome to the Modernizer Die Podcast, CFML News Edition, where we keep you up to date with everything going on in the Cold Fusion community. We'll share the latest news on events, releases to engines, frameworks, libraries, and tools, as well as spotlighting quality content from the community. Hello and welcome to the Modernizer Die Podcast, CFML News Edition. It is January 17th. 2023. This is episode 180. I am one of your hosts, Eric Peterson, and with me is Mr. Dan Card. Hey, how's it going today? It is going swell. How about you, Dan? Good. I actually got some snow yesterday, so I'm hoping that I get all my stuff done, then I can go out sledding this afternoon, but we shall see. There you go. Well, <laughs> to start off, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Order Solutions, the makers of all your favorite box products. You can give back and say thanks in a few ways. First, you can like and subscribe to these videos on YouTube. You can star our repos over on GitHub. Subscribe to this podcast in whatever podcast app that you like and leave us a nice review. You can sign up for a free or paid account on CFCast, which releases new content every week. You can shop at our awesome Box Life store with lots of great merch. Or buy one of our Ordis books, like 102 Cold Box Quick Tips and Tricks, or Learn Modern Cold Fusion in 100 Minutes. Which is not a whole lot, if you think about it. It is not. We said learn, not master, right? <laughs> exactly. What is that? Uh, Othello, the, the, it's a lifetime to learn, or, or a minute to learn, a lifetime to master. Right. That is the way of the CFML. I'm just kidding. Go on. Sorry. <laughs> And then we have uh, another way you can support us with our lovely Patreons. Yep, you can be uh, uh, part of our, our, our distinguished Patreon list. Uh, we have a couple different goals. We have 42 Patreons, which so about 100% of the funding for our Modernizer Dive podcast, which you're listening to as we speak. Um, that's on the Patreon site. It's patreon.com uh, slash Ortis Solutions. Um, we also have a second goal. So our first goal was to fund the Modernizer Dive podcast, which we've, we've reached 100%. Our second goal is to fund, fully fund the hosting of Forgebox.io, which is the obviously the source, if you guys know, of the of the, uh, the packet the package repository for CFML. Um, we're about 37 of the way, 37% of the way there. So if you would like to contribute to Forgebox, uh, become a Patreon, patreon.com slash Ortis Solutions. All right. Well, let's jump into it. I did not see any news or announcements this week. So we'll jump straight into the new releases and updates. We have one for you. Nothing happened today. Good. Sorry. <laughs> uh, we have one for you, and that is there is a new QB beta. This is QB 9.0, which sounds crazy when I look at it, that there's been nine major versions of QB. In fact, it makes me that's pretty awesome. Curious. Uh, I'm looking on Forgebox right now. There mm -hmm. has been 149 releases of QB. Wow. So, so lots of fun that's stuff. Awesome. Now, uh, this is a breaking mm -hmm. uh, major version. Mostly, it's dropping mm -hmm. support for some older CF engines. I was still supporting like Adobe, uh, like 11, I believe. Um, okay. And some of the things that used to be opt in that were nice additions like strict date detection or some better mm -hmm. numeric SQL type detection. Those are now on by default. But some of the big okay. ticket items are we have a SQLite grammar now, thanks to Jason Steinsauer, and SQL commenter support. And this one was interesting. I wanted a way. So 
you might remember if you listen to this podcast a lot that Ben Nadal is very famous for putting debug comments in his sequel. So he can, when he sees a sequel, know where he was doing it. And I thought mm-hmm. that would be a good idea. And I had a ticket in QB for a while. And then um, as I was looking to implement this, I came across this SQL commenter, which is actually a Google uh, specification for adding mm-hmm. a comment to the end of your SQL with a whole bunch of different uh, values. So um, things like what controller executed this? What was the driver version? Uh, what current oh, framework wow. okay. are you in? Um, and with support to add in whatever you want. So I've seen ones that say this is the current user that executed this query. Um, and so cool. okay. I built that into QB. It, it comes with a few of those niceties. So as I'm looking at it now, uh, it will tell you the framework, information about the route, the handler, the action, and information about your database uh, version and driver. But you could add in your own. You could add in a like a, a current user uh, commenter and add that in. You could add in any other information that you want. It serializes it all to the end. And there are tools out there that read this specification um, off of all your SQL queries. And then you can get this aggregate information about it. So cool. That's probably really good for like security and for con- and for like logging and all that kind of good stuff. Yeah, or when you see that you're getting a slow query, you're going to be able to go see exactly where in your code the query is being called instead of like, wow, I don't know where this is. <laughs> oh, true. So, what I was thinking about is like the user. You know, you can actually basically see it's like, okay, you know, eventually down the road, it's like, all right, why was this user doing this? You know, you know throwing some AI under your uh, under your logging and kind of see, all right, why is this person messing around with this query? And anyway, anyway random thoughts. Maybe it doesn't make any sense in real life, but... In my head, though, I was like, all right, we're going to catch bad guys with this. <laughs> For those of you that don't know uh, what QB actually is, just to kind of come in quick, because it's actually Eric, Eric's baby, and I wanted to kind of talk about So QB is a way of abstracting, creating SQL queries, and then executing them and chunking them up and everything else. So if you've ever written code where you're trying to pass the string around, creating the SQL phrase, this might be a really good solution for you, because you can actually create it, but it's all... Uh, you can do, uh, you know, basically it's all the way of passing around an object versus passing around a, a string. And then it creates all the all the SQL for you based on what's been passed into it. And you can break it up into arrays, into structures, into chunking. And data. it's it's a great tool. Uh, I just want to kind of throw that out there as a little background, what the conversation actually is. Yeah, thank so. you for that. I, I usually yeah. like to introduce it that if you've ever had to concatenate a, sync, a SQL string together by yourself, uh, QB is going to be your friend. And since we've all done that <laughs> at one point or the other. Yes. Exactly. So, yeah, so check it out. The... Pretty much why I'm a senior developer and Eric is a senior er developer. That was much more succinct and clearly put than I did the first time. That was well done. <laughs> it comes from writing the library. So the the docs are currently being updated for all those things. There's a lot to put in there, but you can check it out. Um, we will put the links in the show notes right to the What's New page. So give that a whirl, and uh, I hope you enjoy it. And for those of you listening, the actual uh, URL is qb.ordisbooks.com. And if you want to do slash V slash nine, uh, was that an underscore? 9.0.0, that's it. Then you can actually see the uh, the, uh, the, uh, the updates. All right. Cool. Well, let's talk about some webinars, meetups, and workshops. 
So the Ortis has been, I've been putting together what we're calling Ortis Fridays. And they're definitely, they, they, we ended the year with them and we're definitely starting off with 2003, 2023. Good grief. That was a mind thing with there. Uh, coming up, we have on January, uh, I guess last week on the 6th, we ended up, or, or two weeks ago, uh, we had our Ortis office hours and that was at 11 a.m. Central, noon Eastern. Um, and basically we just have three or four or two students get in and people can drop in, ask questions. Um, this the 20th so i guess this is that's this friday we have uh, we do have our our monthly ortis webinar and that is going to be on cb wire um it's a cb wire coding session um grant copley who is the writer and the author of, of cb wire for those of you that don't know what that is basically it's a way of creating single page uh our single page web applications um based on is it live wire lime wire or live wire live wire is the yep. is the Livewire, okay, that's the JavaScript library that it's based on. But you can basically write single-page applications using the Cold Fusion language, and in a sense, it sends all the all the requests back to the server. It renders your page, it brings it back up again without having having to reload. Um, and so it's a way of creating a React-like kind of application or a Vue-like application with just using Cold Fusion language. Uh, that's this Friday at, at noon Eastern, eleven Central. Uh, coming up next week, we have our, our coding with the Kiwi. Basically, Gavin uh, has a project, and people can show up, talk through it, what's going on, ask questions. You know, you can correct correct uh, typos over shoulder, which is always kind of fun. Um, now that's going to be a different time. That's on the twenty seventh of January at two p.m. Central, uh, so four. I'm sorry, three Eastern. Um, and then again, we start our, our rotation again on the, on on February third. We have our office hours. That's at eleven a.m. Central, noon Eastern, and then. On the 10th, uh, we kind of skipped that this week because of the holiday or because of some reason or, or this month. But next month, we're starting back with February 10th. It's our Software Craftsmanship Book Club. Uh, it's a Patreon exclusive. So if you're a Patreon, you'll, you'll, you'll get an invite. And uh, we basically talk through um, basically it's software craft, uh, craftsmanship. What are best practices? Um, and the conversation is good. It vacillates between high level, but also really technical and kind of some very why something's important. Um, it's good. It's definitely worth dropping in and listening. We had a really high quality conversation last month. I was a great um, observer of that conversation. I, and uh, it was just, I don't want to be like, hey, I was there. It was great. Uh, but it was there. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> I was not nice with the driving force behind it, but it was a really good uh, panel of people. So that's the 10th. Awesome. I believe uh, as well, Coding with a Kiwi is a Patreon exclusive to join in the, the live broadcast. Uh, but both Coding with the Kiwi and the Sophomore Craftsmanship Book Club are uploaded to CFCast for all subscribers to watch. Yes. The office hours are not uploaded to uh, to CFCast on purpose. It just allows people, allows people to ask more questions, um, uh, either about specific code or just kind of a general question that maybe they want, don't want to have recorded for posterity. Um, but most of the other stuff we do actually is uploaded to CFCast, which is good. Yeah. All right. Mm -hmm. And in case you missed it, the Mid Michigan Cold Fusion user groups had Ray Camden presenting Intro to Alpine JS, which is a favorite of Ortis folks as well, along with Vue. So if you miss that, we will provide you the YouTube link here in the show notes, and you can go check out that presentation. All right, on to some CFCast updates. Um, we have updated and kept up to date our Forgebox module of the week and the VS Code hint, tip, and trick of the week videos. And we are currently in the pro process of uploading some new command box videos from Brad. So that will be really exciting. They should be coming to you very soon. 
Let's jump into some conference news. Okay. And coming up, base. Oops, sorry. Go ahead. No, I, I, I decided to stop. You know, interrupting people. I'm working on that. It's a, it's a character flaw. I'm also going to stop. You know, bashing myself today. It seemed to be very negative. All right. So coming up, we. <laughs> Um, those of you that haven't heard, basically, last fall, Adobe had their CF Summit, uh, but they couldn't do a lot of the recordings. They couldn't actually post a lot of the talks and sessions online. So they've been going back and recording them um, online and then be able to uh, record them and post them. Um, so on January 10th, uh, Gerst Neuenhaus uh, was actually presented. Um, this is in case you missed it. Modernizing through evolution, not revolution. Uh, basically, it's the idea of basically kind of like improving your code little by little, as opposed to like starting over from scratch and recreating it, because obviously that is not necessarily always feasible. Um, but he talks about uh, basically looking at, at different tools, um, uh, different tools and concepts and everything else about how to like iterate your code better versus like having to start over again. Which is good, and the uh, we'll we'll put the uh, the link up there. I think he already has. Uh, coming up on January, or uh, sorry, another in case you missed it. Today's the seventeenth. Uh, was Daniel, Daniel Garcia from Ortis, one of our senior developers, did a whole presentation on several different tools that you might use as part of your development um, process. Uh, Postman, uh, webhook.site, which is a website, and Ngrok, which is a way of actually hosting a site on your local machine temporarily where you can actually demo it to somebody and then you just basically turn it off and that way you don't have any security problems with that. Um, but it's a really easy way of actually helping out with the demos. I mean, some, some people use it in production, but not often. Uh, really, it's more, you know, designed for like, you know, short-term things that you may do. Um, but he walked through it. I, I, I saw that. He did a great job. Um, and uh, so if you ever, just one of these things that things to add to your arsenal, to your tool belt, to go ahead and use there. Um, all right, on the 27th, this is, oh, I'm sorry, good grief, reading is hard. January 17th, uh, Michael Hayes, and that is an hour ago, so I guess I guess this is in case you missed it. Um, Michael Hayes talked about leveraging AI and cognitive services via cold fusion. Uh, what's written here, he basically says, Azure Cognitive Services is an API that leverages AI and machine learning to provide capabilities such as sen uh, sentiment analysis Entity recognition, auto translator, text to speech, speech translation, and a whole lot more. Um, all that's in Cold Fusion 2021. Uh, there's a Git repo that'll be shared, and then a secondary package that will be used to convert um, Postman and Swagger collections to Cold Fusion. So go watch Daniel's, learn about Postman, and then watch Michael's, where you can apply the Postman to do this AI stuff. Cool. All right. This one is coming up in the future. This is not so much a you missed it. This is a coming up on January 19th which is Thursday, I believe, at noon. Um, uh, Kevin Wright is talking about spreadsheet magic, talking about basically integrating Microsoft Office um, and uh, Excel. Obviously, how can we use that using the CF spreadsheet tags in Cold Fusion? Um, we'll go be uh, beyond basic reading and writing features, delve into more advanced techniques like working with formulas, formatting, multiple sheets, uh, complex types of, of, of a spreadsheets. And this will be obviously a live presentation with code review and everything else on it. Uh, we got a lot going on. All right, next one coming up, January 24th. Uh, Masha Edelin and Nick Huntila. Uh, I think that's how I said it. I apologize, Nick, if you're listening, Juntila. Uh, uh, they'll be talking about opportunities for using blockchain technology and NFTS in the real world. Um, and they, the write up here is the understanding the value and practical use cases of non fungible tokens in modern business applications. Learn how to get started using blockchain and building your Web3 strategy. All of that is part of the CF Summit Online uh, uh, series. 
And uh, the website for that, you can check it out, is cfsummit-online.meetus.adobeevents.com. And that is in the show notes or in the chat, as we said. Lots of great stuff coming from Adobe. <sighs> yeah. Let's jump to one of our favorite JavaScript uh, frameworks and talk about some Vue.js conferences coming up. We got mm-hmm. three for you right here. There's the Vue.js Nation Conference, which is next week, January 20th and 26th. You can register on their website. Believe that one is free and online. Vue.js Amsterdam coming up on the 9th and 10th of February in, of course, Amsterdam. Their call for papers is hopefully no longer open. Yes, close. (laughs) Just being the 9th and 10th, I would hope not. Uh, You can get your tickets at Vue.js.amsterdam, which is a sweet domain. Just saying. It is pretty cool. And lastly, Vue.js Live, May 12th and 15th, online and in London. Join today at Vue.js.live.com. Lastly, Mm -hmm. I want to talk about DevNexus. DevNexus is one of our favorite Java conferences. It is happening April 4th through 6th in Atlanta, Georgia. You can go to devnexus.com for more information and to get your tickets. Sadly, it looks like no Orta speakers this year. Uh, none of our our topics got accepted, but that's okay. It's still a good conference. <laughs> yeah. It's our favorite with an asterisk. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, but in ca- if you're if you're boycotting Dev Nexus because there's no order speakers, you can make up for it. And into the box 2023 uh, in May 17th through 9th. I'm just kidding. Don't boycott Dev Nexus because that that was a joke. All right, so into the box 2023, May 17th through 19th uh, of this year is the 10th into the box conference. Uh, it is happening in the Woodlands, Houston, uh, in Houston, in Texas. Um, Tradition of live training, pre-conference hands-on training on the 17th. Uh, we'll have a live mariachi band, but we're also expanding a lot of the Happy Box stuff because this is the 10th year. Um, we're back at our spring schedule. As you guys remember, we did have having to the box last fall. So if you're thinking this was a very quick turnaround, you're right. But we want to get back on schedule for the spring. Uh, there is still time. The call to speakers uh, is open until January 31st. Um, and uh, yeah, the uh, the call to speakers is go to, go to intothebox.org. And you'll be able to see all of the call for speakers. And then you'll be able to register. It's through Eventbrite, but go to the end of the box.com dot uh, excuse me, website, and that'll link over to there. All right. So after you get back from Houston uh in May, you know, take a nap, whatever. And then June, head over to CF Camp. CF Camp is back. So this is actually the 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 uh a CF conference that's happening in Munich in Germany. The call of speakers is now open. Uh it's at papercall.io slash CF Camp 2023. Um, and then the website for the conference is cfcamp.org. Now, can you buy tickets yet to that? Like blind not, tickets or are they yet. opening up after the not yet? Okay. Not yet, but we are we are all waiting for that. So <laughs> all right, lots of lots of stuff coming up, and I love the cold fusion conferences in, in there. If you are still starved for conferences, uh comps.tech has you covered. You can go there and search in different languages, different locations, and find a conference that fits you. We should get as many people as we can to go to CF Camp, just because Jorge is not far away from there. Uh, Jorge is one of the, the Ortugians who hasn't been able to travel very much recently just because of different prescription, uh, restrictions and everything else. We should actually have, have, have like a huge, like, everyone go visit Jorge conference. 
like go to CF camp and then like go over there for lunch because he's in Switzerland. That, that'd be kind of fun. I, Jorge will likely be at CF camp, but yes, they probably will. Be, <laughs> but then you can go see his house. You know, I've seen his attic a lot in conference in a uh, Zoom calls. We can see the rest of it. Anyway, good point. <laughs> well, let's jump into the blogs, tweets, and videos of the week. It is a Ben Nadal week. Thank you, Ben, for rounding out our blogs this week. Uh, let's Absolutely. jump into them. So the first is testing the performance overhead of creating Java classes. Uh, and this one is specifically in Lucy. And so Ben was wanting to see what the performance difference, if any, was between using um, – let me back up. When you use create object Java and you pass in you know the class name – it creates like a proxy class so that you can access uh, static methods and constructors off of it. Um, and so you can cache that or, you know, save it off to a variable and then you don't have to call create object over and over again, but then you're saving it off and it can hurt, maybe hurt the readability of your code. And so his question was, does it matter? And he shows some example with the the long class, the Java long class, and there was really not much of a difference. Um, a few milliseconds between them for uh, doing a million invocations, right? Basically nothing. Mm -hmm. Some follow up to it though, <laughs> that is true for first like built in Java class path things like Java long or any of the other things you might find in the JDK. If you're using third-party jars, it's a very different story. And we have some Lucy tickets linked by our own Brad Wood and Michael Bourne. Um, Brad and his great writing. Class loading for most GI bundles is 27,000 times slower. So wow. we, we found in using uh, ORM applications, Hibernate, that... Mm -hmm we have to save off that constructor and use it because it is such a performance overhead to look it up each time. So we have some Lucy tickets that hopefully can solve that. Um, once again, unsurprisingly, the moral of the story is always test your given scenario um, instead of just relying on these generals because it might be different. So, yeah. But it looks what like I thought was cool about this post just to, it was I, his, his whole thing of like, let's make sure that the solution is not worse than the problem, because he was saying that he was going through and making this really complex caching system that turned out not to in, in, in his article, not to be necessary, you know, but anyway, to your point. Yeah. All right. So we'll put in uh, that that blog post as well as the links to those two Lucy tickets about create object with third party jars. Yeah. Now the next one, I wasn't quite sure I was following it. To tell you the truth, did you read the um? So the one about uh, overriding form submission properties using button button attributes. Like I got the idea, but um. Yeah, I thought this was pretty cool. Uh, so we know a form has a method, an action, a target has all these attributes that you have, but if you have a button type submit in your form, which you'll need to submit the form, you can actually override those methods, actions, and targets on the form using a form method, a form action, and a form target. Uh, so how this could be nice is if you have a form that needs to go do multiple things depending on what button is pushed, right? Like if you push mm -hmm. all these and there's a create or an update next to it. I'm, I'm trying to think of that scenario. But yeah, if you have, you can reuse the form instead of having to duplicate the whole form, but you can also have it 
uh, post to a different place instead of um, the default form one. So uh, honestly, when I read through it, I thought there's so much in HTML that we just don't use or that we recreate using JavaScript. <laughs> right, I know- because you assume that you it can't do it. And you're right, it's built in. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know I've done something like that in JavaScript without realizing, oh, I could have just used these form attributes. So Right. Because how often do you go back and actually study like new things in HTML? You know what I mean? Yeah. You're like, yeah. oh. But mm-hmm. for all that, uh, MDN is a wonderful resource for that. That's the... Does it stand for Mozilla Developer Network? I don't know. The oh MDM web docs are wonderful for looking up all of these things, even about elements in HTML you think you know about. <laughs> and for those of us that are intimidated by source codes, uh, W3Schools sometimes can be really good as well. <laughs> yeah. But that's probably more for the uh, the shallow end of all of us. Mm-hmm. All right. So also coming up from Ben, we had a well, um, we had, we had a write up about what, what he's calling CUID two. So uh, this is interesting about this because I couldn't figure out. It was like a CUID. I know what a GUID it is. You know, uh, uh, you know. I, I mean, uh, well, UUID is a universally unique identifier. A GUID would be globally unique identifier. What he was talking about here was the idea of actually building something that was completely collision proof. And so this was a new library that he was working at and then playing with. Uh, CUID2, and he was going through and testing it. Um, the idea that it would scale no matter how big any library got, either vertically, horizontally, or whatever. And he basically went through and said, all right, the the test that they went through was a million iterations. Um, and uh, it was also one of the cool things about this was that as I was going through, that's the wrong one, this one. I was like, why are you talking about performance issues? But it was the wrong tab. Um, basically generating, uh, generating unique ideas. Um, and this was the whole process about how it was created. And as it went through, basically, no, there's no collisions detected. Now, I guess I'm curious about this. And Eric, you may know more about this than I do. Does that mean that basically if you do just the regular create UUID enough times, you're going to get collisions? And this is more meant to be you, there's a higher probability that you will not? Um, yes, there have been lots of versions of UUID libraries, right? Like, I think mm-hmm. if we're talking about there's a, I can't think, like an RFC for UIDs, and there's been four versions of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, the the lower end of those that didn't, you know, quite do all the randomness have a decent chance of of collisions, which, you know, sounds crazy when you think of this string that's like 60 characters and whatever. But yeah, um, if you're using modern things like this or you're using the UUID version 4, I think it's something like I was just trying to read. You could generate. Oh, let me read it from this right here. You could. The probability to find a duplicate within 103 trillion version four UUIDs is one in a billion. So um, modern libraries, it's not very likely. So. So if you have a billion users, if you're running Facebook, this is really incredibly important for you to have. Um, <laughs> but, I, but but that being said, though, we have, I mean, how, you know, any database probably could use a little more randomness in it. All right. Well, good to know. Yeah. To follow up on that, uh, Ben, somebody pointed out to Ben um, that his library was uh, slower, there's the word, than the Java version that it was based off of. Yeah. And he wanted to find out, well, why is that 
why is that? What's taking so long? And I love that he did this because, yes, the answer is install Fusion Reactor and look at it. And he even says that. But um, if you don't have Fusion Reactor, you don't have it on that machine, or you're like me and you've lost the developer key again and don't want to go find one, um, you can uh, you can instrument your own components. And he shows this using a, a metaprogramming method of taking a component and proxying all the methods. So that's a term to say taking the method, renaming it, and then changing the implementation of the original method name to do some stuff and then call the new, the renamed method. And so that way he could add these get tick count calls around each method invocation and save that off and get that timing information back. Um, this, if for anybody who's interested, is also pretty much how Mockbox works when you're doing mocking in TestBox. If you say, I want to mock this method, then we take your method invocation, we stick it somewhere else, and we start putting our own stuff in that name. Um, there's a spy method that was added to TestBox, I hope. I mean, I contributed it. I don't know if it's there yet. Um, that yeah. does basically the same thing where it saves off your exact code, it calls it, but it also tracks um, in a rewritten method that it got called. So uh, these metaprogramming things are really neat tricks, and this is a great example of how to do that. He found the bottleneck, or at least a bottleneck. Did, didn't go into any solutions in this post because that wasn't the point of this post. Mm -hmm. So, um, So yeah, some neat things there. Uh, I did want, find a comment on his last post about the performance, and this just made me made me kind of sad. Um, <laughs> he said, with his current implementation, it takes 60 seconds to generate a million tokens, uh, which is not terribly fast. So he tried things like scoping all variable access using built-in functions instead of member functions. Um, and then he says, inlining some hot functions, such as the base 2 base 36 call. And just with those, he was able to take it down from 60 seconds to 24 seconds. Oh, wow. Um, and the reason I said that makes me sad is that should not be our job as developers, that we have to choose the built-in function instead of a member function yeah. or add the argument scope instead of anything. To make those those cases like so not performant is something I hope the engines can improve on. So Yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. This is kind of a cool tool, though. I could see this. Anyway, I just see, see not just potential in all this, but this is this is really kind of cool. I'm, I'm going to go back and read this a lot more closely because I've always wondered how like that kind of stuff works, like Mockbox and everything else. It's like, oh, great. We're going to pretend it's over here so I can use it fairly well. I just don't ever how it works. So this is... Yeah, that's when you're this mocking... This is a very educational a, podcast. That's when you're mocking a, a component that already exists, obviously. Uh, mm -hmm. When you're creating like a stub, which is something that doesn't even exist, it's even a little more interesting where we dynamically mm -hmm. write a component, like append all these strings together, write it to the file system, and then read it. So it's about what you think. So, okay, it would be so that actually brings up a really interesting thing. <laughs> so can you? So you can't actually. So along with that, sorry, this is kind of a tangent. You can't actually create just a component in memory. You actually have to write it to a file. And then read it, and that file could be in the could be in memory, like in the RAM scope, whatever. But you have to actually write it out, right? You're right, and there's a temp directory that Mockbox uses on the file system for that. But yes, 
Um, I believe that's something that they're looking at uh, fixing by letting you define mm-hmm. inline components in Lucy, at least Lucy 6. Um, so okay. we'll see how that uh, comes up. Interesting. All right. Would that just abstract that writing? I, I mean, who cares? I mean, it was, I was like, wait a minute. Would that just mean that, that that'll be writing to the RAM scope, but just a built-in function that did it? Or would it be generating it actually in memory? But then again, I don't know how the other tags work. So I don't know what possessed me to ask that question. <laughs> Never mind. So, <laughs> yeah. It'd be a while to, until we could use it, right? Because old versions would still need the other way. But ideally, right. you'd be able to generate the function names dynamically, You know, write it as a string and put it all in without having to do the step of writing to disk. Right. So Interesting. All right. All right. Lots of good discussion this week. Let's talk about finding jobs. Uh, so on getcfmljobs.com, we have over 39 cold fusion positions from 25 companies across 22 locations in five countries. There were three jobs on the site this week, and then I added one that I found while preparing these show notes. So those three, there are a full-time remote developer in the United Kingdom. There is a web and cold fusion developer at Insummation Technologies in India and a middle cold fusion developer at EPAM Systems in India. I'm guessing that middle here is not junior and not senior. We call it the tween, yeah. basically. It's a tween job. And then the one that I found that was looked really fun there is a cold fusion developer being hired at NASA Houston, a remote oh, developer. Wow. So have to be a US citizen for that one. But if you wanted to work for NASA doing cold fusion. Here's your job posting. So we'll put that one in special just because, again, that was not on cfmljobs.com. Uh, that was found separately. Did you choose the uh, the footprint on the moon graphic to go along with that? Because if that came with the original post, that'd be kind of cool, too. I did come with the original post. So nice. it's at the top of that uh, job listing. You can also check out the Order Solutions website at ordersolutions.com slash about us. Or sorry, about dash us slash careers. There has been a cold fusion, uh, part-time cold fusion developer for South of Shasta, which is Nolan Irk's company. And there is also a jobs channel in the CFML Slack team and the box team Slack. You can check those out. All right. Sweet. All right, so moving on to the ForgeBox module of the week. We're going to reiterate some stuff because the, the module of the week is the new QB 9.0.0 Beta 1. Lots of really cool features just to kind of – this is this is when I tell Eric how well I was paying attention last time. Okay, so basically lots of great features and bug fixes, including uh, grammar for SQLite. Um, there also is uh, – and that's, 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 again, thanks to Jason Steinhauser. Steinhauer. Steinhauer, excuse me. Sorry, Jason. Um, the, the SQL commenter support, which is what we were talking about before, about the format, about basically annotating your 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 SQL um, query in the comments, uh, as well as bug fixes and performances. Uh, the docs are currently being updated, uh, but you can check it out at qb.orgsbooks.com uh, slash v slash 9.0.0, or just go to the top level and drill down. And that'll be on Forgebox. Uh, that is on Forgebox. Um the IO, and you can check it out on there to kind of get some of the uh, a quick overview and then go over to the docs and check that out. Awesome. And for our VS Code hint, tip, and trick of the week, I wanted to bring up a built-in cold, uh, VS Code feature called Zen Mode. Uh, Zen Mode is to get rid of all of the clutter in VS Code 
and just focus on the code. So I'm going to switch to my local screen. I have QB up right here. And as you can see, there's there's a whole bunch of stuff. But if I go to Zen mode, all of a sudden, I just have the file name at the top and I have code. I don't have character count. I don't have the files on the side. And I can just focus on the code. That can be very nice because VS Code has a lot of information, um, which is nice sometimes and sometimes it's in the way. <laughs> so Nice when you need it. And it's kind of like a good radio station or something like that or distractions or coworkers. They're great when you're there. When you don't need them, sometimes they can be distracting. Exactly. So that is built in. Uh, you can use the shortcut. It's a, a corded shortcut. So it's Command K Z or on uh, Windows. I believe that's Control K Z, and then Double Escape will get you out of Zen mode. So when you're just cool. getting distracted by all the stuff around you, and you just need to look at one file, Zen mode is your friend. Nice. And that brings this us might be speed. to the end of our podcast today. And we'd like to end by thanking all our Patreon supporters. These are the individuals personally supporting our open source initiative, like Coldbox, Commandbox, Forgebox, and lots of other great box products. You can support us as well on patreon.com slash or solutions. And as well, there's a few perks that come along with it. Yep, there's a lot of ways that you can actually support a lot of packages. And what's interesting about this is we also like giving discounts to being able to support us. We have annual memberships. You can do it by month or you can do it by the year. Save 10% if you go annual, which is really good for you know budgeting and forecasting and everything else. Uh, bronze packages and up. Now go to Forgebox Pro uh, and a CF Cast subscription as a perk for their Patreon subscription. Uh, all Patreon supporters have a profile badge on the community website. So you can definitely, you know, Broadcast, virtue signal, subtly hints that you're uh, on the Patreon. But however you, you want to phrase that. Um, all Patreon supporters have their own private forum access on the community website. Now, someone once asked that, does that mean that, you know, or, or, or along, with, along with the private forum access on the community website, there's an own private channel access um, on the box team Slack. Now, the Ordis community does look at, obviously, all the box channels, and we're very active in the CFML Slack as well. This is just kind of kind of like a a speed lane if that makes any sense so if a patreon ask some questions we get to a little clearer and then we get to the other stuff as soon as we possibly can but we do like being involved with all facets of the community um but this is just a special thing we do for patreons uh there's also access to live live action streams like like we mentioned before the coding with the kiwi and friends uh and the order software craftsmanship book club uh so check all that stuff out at community.ordersolutions.com and uh, you also get to join the roll call of, you know, basically what we call the roll call of awesomeness. We don't call it that. I just made that up. But we'll go along with that. That's awesome. Yes, we. I love to thank all our Patreon supporters. There are a lot of you now. And so here at the end of the podcast, we are going to read off the names of our top Patreons. Our top distinguished Patreons is the adjective for this week. Adjective, so yes. Thank you to John Wilson from Snaptrix. Tomorrow's Guides, Jordan Clark, Gary Knight, Mario Rodriguez, Giancarlo Gomez, David Bellinger, Dan Card, Jeffrey McGee with Sunstar Media, Dean Maunder, Nolan Irk, and Abdul Rahim. You can view an up-to-date list of all of our sponsors on the Ordis website at ordersolutions.com slash about-us slash sponsors. Thank you to all our sponsors, and thank you, everybody, for listening to this podcast. We will talk to you again next week. Have a good week, folks. See ya.
Show notes for this episode can be found at cfmlnews.modernizeordie.io, where you can also subscribe to your favorite podcast player like Spotify or iTunes. We also have the link to YouTube to find more videos just like this. The music used in this podcast is under a royalty-free license from Sound.com and Blue Tree Audio.